This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week at the Brown Table of Dim Lighting, we're taking you on a journey that we've been on for many months that's culminated in this, uh, I was gonna say huge TikTok project, but basically it's, in our minds, we put a lot of energy into this thing that's just come out. Don't oversell it, we don't know how it This past Friday, but yeah, as of the recording of this, we haven't experienced what you have now experienced, which is watching our we we've been calling it Hazel. That's what we call the project. The ha- yeah. our Hazel TikTok our multi project multi part one night scripted horror comedy series. <laughs> yeah, I don't. We, we, dealing with these new mediums, don't know exactly how to to describe it. But what we will say, if you are listening right now, and you they are did not already watch what we're talking about because you're like, you didn't know about it or you're like, I don't do the TikTok thing. It will be more of an enjoyable experience for you if you drop what you're doing and take the time to watch it. Even if you're not a, a, a TikTok person. Now, at some point we are gonna post it on, depending on when you're listening to this, it will be on our the Retinlink YouTube channel at some point just in its full form, uh, which will make it easier if you don't wanna use you know, the TikTok app. But anyway, we just suggest that you go over and watch it. I don't know, it's it's a We're little, gonna be talking about it, so you It's need a little to have over a like 20 minutes of your time that you would have to devote to the full the full experience. And that w- it would just be helpful to then come back and be able to hear the, the discussion about it. I use the term ambitious in, in the creative realm. It's something that like we can get into all the reasons why we decided to do it there's a number of itches that we wanted to scratch and boy, I really wanna know what people think. We can talk about the anticipation, that's another part of this has been so fun. But another thing we wanna talk about, kinda a larger conversation than just the Hazel Project is our relationship with TikTok. Mm -hmm. And you know, having come up on YouTube, having 15 years of figuring out how to take what we wanna do and translate it into the particular platforms where we can get traction and where there's audience, and then the advent of TikTok and figuring out well, what's what does mythical on TikTok mean? Yeah. What are the opportunities there? We've been through a lot of uh, challenges as we tried to figure that out. So I think that in and of itself can can be a fun conversation. So if you're an avid TikToker or watcher of TikTok, or if you have nothing to do with it, I think there's going to be touch points for all of us to, to uh, figure out how we interface with that platform. Because you may find yourself, you might be, I think this is our tendency, maybe just because of our age, it's just like when a new social media platform comes along, you just are like, uh, really? Like, 
this is the thing now, like am I gonna have to get an account? And then at some point based on your personality, your disposition and the way that you divide your time, there's a point, there's a threshold for most people in which they either decide to swear it off and never join or they finally give in and join. And I think that as middle-aged creators, there's an interesting, and with kids who enjoy this medium, it's sort of an interesting conversation around how do you make a decision to actually go for it? Why do you do it? What's your approach? What are you learning? What are you trying to accomplish? Right. But let's start with just the idea for Hazel and kind of what was what was behind it? What set the stage in your recollection? Because it was it was many months ago. Yeah, well. It wasn't first, though, let's do something for, let's do something scary, there let's was do something, something for there, Halloween. There, there was a conversation that was going on in the background, which is, as we've established, and we actually did a whole episode about it earlier this year, where we, we talked about all the other things that we have worked on that you've never seen, because it's, there are ideas that are developed for television or movies that it's a whole different process outside of the digital media that we kind of own and control, which is the thing that you're watching right now, which we don't have to ask permission to make this podcast. No it's one a, has to approve it. Yeah, those things where you're writing scripts and trying to get traditional stuff out the ground, it's they're, it's a long time coming and then it may never show up. No one may ever see it. And, and that's and there's very so frustrating much, for you know, us. E even right now, like even just so you know, right now, we're in the midst of working on a couple of very exciting projects. I'll just go ahead and say one's a, I mean, we've got multiple TV shows that we've tried to get off the ground and continue to try to get off the ground, but there's a, a another pilot that we have completed and now there's a, a, a feature script, a whole movie that we are beginning to to write. And so these are things that we are passionate about and it's a fun process and we throw ourselves creatively at them and hopefully one or multiple of them will be able to be made. And I think when you look at the sort of the pie chart of our time, when you wonder like, what do Rhett and Link do? Like what, what do they do besides the things that I see them do? Mm -hmm. There's a big piece of the pie that's like do doesn't result in things that you see. So, because that's, a, that's fr it's frustrating, right? It's, it's frustrating to kind of pour yourself into something. So then, so I, the conversation sort of shifted to a place where it's like, okay, yes, we've got all this stuff we're trying to do that may never get seen. We've got all this stuff that we already do that does get seen on a regular basis. But is there an in-between? Can we put one more thing on our plate, which is the in-between, which is stuff that has a high sort of creative, experimental quotient, trying something new that is more narrative maybe in in in, in its description? Is there another, is there a place yeah, for us we're, to we're, do that? Because we're developing this narrative content. Yeah. How do we do some of that that people can actually see? And also do it in a very self-contained, frankly, cheap, way that doesn't take a lot of our time and doesn't take a lot of money. So, and also then is structured so that it makes us part of a different conversation. You know, if yeah. you're if you're an avid listener of Ear Biscuits, if you're a a dedicated viewer of Good Mythical Morning, if you're a fan of Mythical Kitchen, you can you can get involved in those worlds and just kind of stay there. Um, we're grappling with the challenge of continuing to find ways to reach out and introduce more people to the world of mythical and the things that we're doing. People have an idea of what, and an awareness of Good Mythical Morning, 
and they might may dip in and out of it, but we also wanna do things that continue to remind people, hey, we're, we've still got ideas and we want to, we wanna make things that express ourselves and also make us part of new conversations and introduce us to new mythical beasts. And I think above all, it's, for, for both of us, it's, there's a creative passion to, that we don't want to, because again. You don't want to sit on your hands. You, you can don't, just be you like, don't sit okay. on your laurel, rest on your laurel. Yes, we're the guys who eat weird things on the internet and do do things and you kind of see us in the context of our friendship. Maybe th- that could be enough for a lot of people. <laughs> you know, For us, I don't think it is because it's like right. we got things that we want to create. We got worlds that we want to bring out. So then the discussion started like, what does that look like? Because we've had a, we've had a number of people, including like TV executives, who say things like, guys, if you have an idea for something, why don't you just make it and put it on YouTube, right? And I think there's a number of reasons why we've been hesitant to do that when it comes to narrative stuff, besides just like an occasional sketch or whatever, which we're not really doing that much on YouTube anymore. The reason being- But we are doing on TikTok and we'll talk about that later. The reason being is that with few exceptions, people are not really interacting with narrative content on on YouTube in in a meaningful way, right? And you can be like, well, you guys could change that, but it's like, that's a, that's a tough hill to climb. What we were seeing is that, you know what? Kind of in an early sort of YouTube way, the the uh, this early stage of TikTok, one of the things that's happening is sketch comedy, just to use a broad term, has sort of found a resurgence in this place. Like scripted comedy, has found a home on TikTok and all of a sudden people are enga- our kids are engaging with it in a way that they are not engaging with YouTube. In a way that's much more broad than if you were to apply that same statement of sketch comedy to Vine back in the day. Yeah. I never observed, maybe I missed it because we never got on the Vine bandwagon. I never observed a type of sketch that I wanted to do. It was it was it was very short and and very tonally specific, and there's a there's a broad range of content. I mean, there's there's all all niches now seem to exist on TikTok. I mean, spiritual deconstruction TikTok, as an example, and Christian TikTok. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> you name it. That it, it it's all happening there, and so there's like. It can meld into the world of podcasting. It can meld into the world of sketch comedy. It can meld into the, of course, the world of dance. Well, and I and, and uh, I was doing some avant-garde shit. So any, I, all types of stuff. I don't remember. So, so I, I was kind of thinking. I was I was sitting there trying to figure out, like, okay, is there a way in for us that kind of makes it? I mean, honestly, it was kind of it was from a strategy standpoint in terms of, yeah, we could do something that was is just like just straight up comedy, like classic Rhett and Link sketch in a narrative fashion. We, as you'll see, and we'll talk about later, we are doing classic Rhett and Link sketch sort of individually on TikTok and learning a lot over there. But like, how do you, we wanna do something that's more eventized and get people to kind of drawn in. I think kind of separately from that, I just happen to, because I tend, I'm personally interested in horror, right? I'm a horror fan and I kind of keep up with what's happening in that world. But typically it's just movies. I watch horror movies and then I watch some horror TV shows, but mostly horror movies. And I saw this article about horror TikTok. 
but it was also mm-hmm. like horror TikTok, horror Instagram. And what I saw is that, okay, first of all, there's also like, there's that, uh, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, there was maybe just a year ago, there was a Twitter thread where it was a writer who said, has said that they were going to a cabin in the woods to, to write a movie. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, there's something making noise outside. And it was a Twitter thread. Turns out that the whole thing from the beginning was designed to be, it was, it was designed to become a movie or designed to be a story. It was all, it was all made up to begin with. And it, it, it was narrative. It was an it was a narrative, and I don't but know if that one. Tricked you. I don't know if that one ended up becoming something. But there's been multiple Twitter threads, not just horror Twitter threads, but Instagram things, and now TikTok stuff that is either it's intended to live there first and then become something bigger. But then on TikTok, what I was seeing is that a lot of people were doing. There's like this one kid who did. I use kid like a teenager. Um, did a thing last year where. They had like some. They were acting like something was going on in their neighborhood, like their neighborhood was abandoned, or there was something. And it was like, oh, once a day he would kind of do like an update, and it was like kind of creepy. But it was like a once a day thing for a while. And you were like, is this real? Is this not real? I'm kind of walking that line. But the thing that no one had done is something that's more like a series. Like some people had done like, here's one really creepy video. And this mm-hmm. is what I do on my channel. But it was like, oh, is there like a self-contained multi-part series that happens over the course of a, a, a shorter time span that actually feels like it's happening in the platform? Like it feels like, oh, this is not taking something that was made for something else and putting it on TikTok, but it's if someone were to do a horror, if, somebody, if something were to happen to somebody that was a horrific, on TikTok and they were to post it, what would that look like? And that's what kind of opened up the conversation about the specifics of Hazel. You just said, what if something were to happen like a horrific, like you just made horrific a noun. Like a horrific thing. That's what, no, I think that's what this is. is It's a a horrific. This is a horrific. It's a terrific horror TikTok. Well, it's it's horrific talk. Horrific talk. Oh, that's what we're. It's a horrific talk. That we're contributing to that genre. We've helped pioneer. Horrific, horrific talk. talk. Horrific talk. Because it's fiction, TikTok, horror, and f- fantastic. No, no, I'm just putting together horrific and TikTok. Horrific talk. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That works. Well, let's coin it. it we got to get better at saying it. Horrific. I've got it. Horrific. Horrific talk. <laughs> it, horrific the, talk. It's just horrific and then horrific. talk. Horrific and then talk. Horrific talk. Horrific talk. You can say it that way. Horrific TikTok. Horrific Horrific talk. talk. Horrific talk. Horrific talk. We'll Horrific do that. Talk. We'll do that on our own. Time. Horrific talk. Okay. I think I have it. And so yeah, we're like, okay, if we do this, we can have fun with our audience. We can we could do something to where we're going to we're going to trick them. We're going to set up this conceit of it being we're going to write, record and produce a song. This is something that like I remember back when live streaming first started and Ustream was the platform that we picked mm. and we we started doing the Retin Link cast live every Thursday night. Another thing that we would do, cause we just wanted to experiment with the new tool was we would do office hours where on, I think it was on Friday afternoons, we would just broadcast and whatever we were working on, we would explain to whoever wanted to 
peep into it. And then sometimes we would write songs and we would get input from people in the chat room and it would it would impact what we were writing on. Oh, this is 2008. So that kind of fed into this idea of we're gonna set the groundwork of it being something that's, that's interactive um, and unscripted and we're just pulling an all-nighter. Yeah. That will be fun to experiment with and then it will go into this place where we're taking people by surprise and things are getting scary and it's it's a scripted horrific TikTok. It's a horrific TikTok. A horrific horrific talk. Horrific talk. Yeah. And we're like You'll get it. And I think people will talk about this. Well, hopefully that's the people really, will talk about so that's it. The, we're, and we're gonna get into talking about the, sort of the process, but that's the really interesting thing about recording this podcast right now. We're recording it before it gets released. There's been so much conversation right. around, I mean, are we doing something, oh, is this stupid? Like, hey, are we completely missing the point? Is this gonna fly? I think it's 11 parts. I can't I, I can't remember exactly yeah. what we massaged it. It was 13 at one point and it was 12. I think it's now 11, I think we. Doing that many videos over the course of a couple of hours on TikTok, like, are we like, just directly violating some principle of the platform, shooting ourselves in the foot? Are people gonna be like, what are these guys thinking? I don't know where to start. Like, is it technically going to work? It like, could be so, a total disaster it, talk. It, yeah, this could be. Disaster talk. This could be, I'm not gonna say it, it's gonna be a mistake. I mean, what do we really have to lose? But like, while we're talking about this, like, or while you're listening to this, it could be that like, yeah, that, it didn't work and no one cared, uh, yeah. which we're prepared for. Are we? <laughs> or it could be, um, I'm not oh, that, prepared for it emotionally. That, no, of course not. It was like, oh, I I get what you guys were going for, and I, and I appreciate it and like it, and I want more stuff like this, or it will lead to something else in this world or beyond. Who knows? It, it, we're talking about it in complete ignorance at this point. We've done enough things to know that once you put something out there, sometimes it immediately becomes clear that there's one thing that seems blatantly obvious now that we didn't think of. Yeah. And I, I do think we've thought enough about it to know that this could just not work on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Logistically, experientially, like from a user standpoint. And the main, my main concern, I'll just speak out loud at this point, is that as you'll see when you watch it, as you have already seen because you stopped and you went and watched it, um, and hopefully we've made it easy for you to, I think we've we've put the- It's too late to even say that. We've They've already done the it, right? We've series- what, Why are you saying You can saying click this? on the, so you can watch it all in order. That's important. We've labeled the parts anyway. See, you're still you're still actually trying to plan it. It's done. And we also, I have a lot of trauma over this whole like multi-part thing and getting people to watch things in order with the whole <laughs> GMM22 thing. Yeah. Because of the complete flop. So anyway. Um, anyway, the if you start at part one, Part one in and of itself is not this giant clickable optimized TikTok, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're put, putting all this stuff on TikTok, some it's stuff works, some doesn't. It's designed to be unassuming, so there's not this huge funnel. It's designed so that once shit gets weird and you know crows start dive bombing the, the glass door and then you find yourself passing through a door in our creative house into the woods in a very realistic transition, like a, a totally hidden transition that we can talk about. Um, 
when it gets real, that's then when it begins people, to matter. People, in a different way. people start to care, and then we're counting on them figuring out to how to go one. back to the beginning and figure out what. What have I missed? How did this? How did they? How did this start happening? Yeah. Why is this backwards walking, backwards singing, creepy woman uh, abducting yeah. Link? And so, taking him so, into a forest. Because that's the, the so the one thing if I could if the if the if this didn't work, and I'm going to pin it on something. One of the things I could pin it on would be oh you know what the first part should have had the um, the trappings of a viral <laughs> TikTok, which is actually something that when we wrote this months ago, we actually did not know TikTok nearly as well as we do now, having thrown so much stuff up there and learned all these lessons. Right. So I'm like, oh man, so we started with the, we're sitting down to write a song, write it with us. That's not something that people are gonna be like, hey, tune into Rhett and Link's channel, they're writing a song with us. Yeah, there's, that's just, I mean. The entry point. For Mythical Beast, they'll be excited. Yeah. But it's not gonna be something that I think will get the attention of anybody else. But so what could huge, that, what could that have been? Because the other yeah. thing we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that it, we, we needed to bring you into a real place. So it didn't need to start as a sketch. It was important that it started as a, oh, Rhett and Link are actually doing this. The Rhett and Link that I know are doing something in real life that is believable. So when we began to introduce the unbelievable elements, we've sort of brought you along and we've got you in this place where you can be emotionally manipulated for entertainment purposes. And this is one of the things that I immediately got super excited about that I think fueled our energy through the entire project. So let's get into that. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The thing that I got so excited about that, you know, there's a point in every, I get goosebumps now thinking about it. You get this, I always look for the spark at the, at the genesis of a creative idea. A lot of times you're bringing something to the table, you're a take, make something out of nothing. And I'm more of take that something and shape it into even more of a thing that's really gonna work. So I find that my interactions a lot of times are learning how to not filter any your pitches, but um, champion the the things that that I think are working, like where we get this synergy. And for this one, it really was. The you know we were on the same page about what we wanted to accomplish, but when we started talking about the experience that we could give to our audience, and it be this special surprise that we could you know we we pre-taped it, we've made it seem like we're doing it basically live, filming a little something, posting it, and making it happen in real time. Of course, you know we filmed it friggin' months in advance. So we we have the luxury and the privilege of like having a front row seat to what happens mm -hmm. on yeah. TikTok. You know, like seeing the comments come in, seeing over the course of that second 
and third post, fourth post, people starting to realize, hold on, this is not what I thought it was. We're not gonna be writing a song. This is crazy, this is scripted, this is, this is a horror comedy thing and I'm, I just have, have been very excited about observing that experience and observing in it real kind time. of as an experiment. In real time. How are people gonna happens. respond? How, how are Mythical Beasts gonna band together and be commenting on the Mythical Society Discord, on uh, Twitter, obviously on TikTok, but forming these ad hoc viewing parties where you're waiting for the next post because it's a special experience for people who are watching in real time and we had this challenge of promoting it and saying this is something we're excited about, it should be fun, but also downplaying it as well, something that's just an interactive having to say, writing. Having to say, you're gonna write a song with us and so it's like if that didn't appeal to you, it's you're, like, you uh, may be you're, out. You're, you're definitely, I'm not gonna get a TikTok account for that if I don't already have one. But there's this, there's this real time experience with the people that wanna be there and are able to be there as it's unfolding yeah. and they're making sense of it was very exciting to me. And then there's this TikTok experiment of getting TikTok viewers who are not first mythical beast coming into it and seeing if we're right, that they'll figure it out and they'll be into it, even if they don't care about us. And yeah, then, who knows, man putting it somewhere else and seeing if it can develop, if, if people will enjoy it off platform and on well, the Rentlink YouTube channel. I, I, I'll say again, one of the theories from the marketing side of this thing, and it, it, did, this, did this work, I don't know, is that, okay, it's one thing to just make another horror movie, right? When you make another horror movie, you are competing with everyone who's ever made horror movies and everyone who is currently making horror movies and releasing horror movies. Uh, you're subject to critical response, et cetera, marketing budget. Now, with when you do something- And the expectations that everyone approaches any horror movie with. But when you do something on a platform like TikTok, I mean, I always talk about how I feel like the only reason that we're actual successful, in quotes, comedians, you, you define that how you will, we make a living doing it. Um, we make a living. Is because we came up through the Christian comedy world. I'm just going to be frank about it. Like, if if you we had were a, funny in settings where people didn't ex, didn't did, require or did, expect or demand you to be hilarious, we kind of gamed. The bar was lower. We gamed the system a little bit by developing in this bubble, in a place where we weren't competing against any other comedians. We were com competing against like maybe a funny worship leader, which is an easy target. And because we know that. That's one of the reasons, maybe the root reason why we have a chip on our shoulder. There's other reasons now in how people view YouTubers and creators versus traditional celebrities, but we don't have to get into and that And so again. there is this belief that if you do something like this on a platform like TikTok at a time in the evolution of the platform like right now, there's a possibility that just having made the decision to do something that is this ambitious and involved in this genre that people care about, maybe, okay, did we make, did we make Get Out? Hell no, we did something that we shot in two nights, right? It, we didn't make, it, we're not, it, we wouldn't be capable, I'm not saying we would, you, you could give us all the money in the world, I'm not saying we're gonna make a Jordan Peele movie, but we don't have to. We need to make something that people are like, 
that's cool. I was scared when I needed to be scared. I laughed when you guys wanted me to laugh and you did something in a place that I wasn't expecting it and so now I'm actually talking about it because you made the decision to put it here. There's a secret hope that that will be part of the strategy. Yeah. Now, the specific the specifics of the idea, I mean, it's it, we were having a conversation at some point where it was like, "Hey, what what if what if it had something to do with an album, you know, oh, that we could make it where we're act where we're starting the night singing and then it, the specifics, it's not like this is some groundbreaking plot, right? This is a, if you wanna be honest about it, the specifics of the way that this plot sort of unfolds is like, yes, it's an intact, interesting uh, way of getting a, get, getting your antagonist into, your, your monster into your house. This is a monster in the house movie to use that genre. We yeah. needed a way to do it. Like the ring where the girl yeah. climbs out through the uh, television when you when you play a certain whatever it was. That was like a, a VHS tape. You made me watch it and I've tried it. to wipe it from my memory ever since. So it had, so yeah, it had that sort of like, there's a vehicle in which this person can get brought into your world and that's where the whole Hazel thing came from and the Hazel making of it all. Like we, we, we talked before about how we're, is and I especially since I watch a lot of horror movies, very scared of especially like a little girl in a dress, like the the poltergeist deal. It, that's just something that is always kind of freaking me out because you've got yeah. this mix of what you perceive to be innocent. Now there's this sinister side to it, and and that's the classic horror trope. So it's like okay. How, could we make this like a woman in a dress and then how do you go, what kind of music would you, oh, maybe something like Appalachian uh, and it just Something sort of began that's haunting to, but not, that doesn't read as horror immediately. It's like horror adjacent. Like if you if you have the right album cover and you write, have the right song, which we tried to create, um, you know, yeah, we were, we were le leveraging the fact that like, I have a record collection at the Creative House. It's true to us. We've made records in the past, so we know knew that we had a, a our our team can make a vinyl. knew how to make a record and like actually making a record that plays and that has high quality packaging is a great way to 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 suck people into the story when they still don't know it's a story. So we had those elements that we felt like were working for us, and we started meeting with. Derek Furman, who uh, produced our Lionel covers, and we've and uh, works very closely with my cousin Britton, uh, great guy that we vibe with. That you know, we started talking to him about the project, and he was really excited about the experimental nature of it. And so, we went in there for a recording session. We we of course we knew we had to cast the um, we need to have a female voice, and then we needed to cast somebody to play that female and then Jenna suggested Paige her you know who she, who she knew from what theater Kentucky from theater uh, uh, right after college yeah uh, Kentucky Shakespeare Kentucky Shakespeare yeah, yeah so you Jenna was recommending Paige because Paige is in a band Paige is a vocalist and we had worked with Paige before we even had met and started working with Jenna which is so strange so uh we brought Paige in, she recorded the part for Hazel, nailed it, and she's also uh, an actor and can come in and play the part. So it was like a win-win and like she was already in the mythical world, 
because what we had worked with her on before is Buddy System season one uh, when, let's see, there's the commercial for the Drain Weaver. Yeah. <laughs> which is, uh, you know, our co-ex girlfriends who's now became the media mogul with Billy Mays type products including all the hair that goes into your shower drain if you put the right mold down in, in there you can then after a, an X number of showers you can pull that out and it will have an article of clothing that has been magically woven from your uh, body hair, in your head hair, all of your hair. And we needed a model for that commercial and the the audition process was one of the more awkward audition processes that I've ever been a part of because it was bringing in women into our office. Uh, now Where me, we, we, you, Stevie, Stevie um, I, the casting director, and it, it wasn't and just the a two of us, other people, but still sitting in our office. When you bring uh, a, a, a bunch of women one at a time into your office, and the thing that they're doing for their audition is acting like they're showering. Um, and they don't have any lines. That is, um, it, can, it gets. It we we gets, just not, was, we did not anticipate how weird it was. How awkward feel that could get to watch women in our office pantomime showering, and then just kind of sit there and like nod with a notepad, like, oh yeah, she touches herself in a what? I mean, it's like, hey, what do you do when you shower? You like you're like touching, you're you're bathing, and you're like reacting to the scrub yourself. Okay, well, I mean, but it, well, they were they were touching themselves, not in that way, Scrubbing but like in a shower way, Sh bathing themselves. Anyway, Paige did a great job at that. <laughs> pa Paige seemed to understand. She understood the assignment because it, there was a voiceover. Like, have you ever? Thought about all yeah, the yeah. hair that you send down the drain and never making to close, and then you're like, yes, you know. So there's obviously it was very comedic. So you've got to like respond to this voice. She was, artist. yeah, she was doing. She got the, it. I'm in an infomercial. I will say, uh, it's been a long time. So I mean, let's I, tell this story. I don't again. think there's any way that anyone's going to be able to trace this back to this particular person because there was no record of who auditioned that day. But uh, there was someone who did not understand the assignment, uh, the in two ways. Yeah. The first way that they did not understand the assignment is that this particular woman thought that she was auditioning for the role of Amy Brells, which had already been given to Leslie. Um, Talking about the lead role in the entire <laughs> to, series. To Leslie Bibb. And the way we found out was because when she came in, she started showering. She did start showering. She did. I don't know how she put these two things together. I don't know what script she got a hold of. <laughs> But then she she launches into a monologue while showering, which of course no one has done because they don't have any lines. And then we realize she has memorized Leslie's an, line and Amy Brell's monologue. And we, I mean, again, we're nice guys, we're good it, Southern boys, so we let her go through uh, the whole thing. We, we were like, well, she's going to do it. Let's see how well she's, she's memorized it. Uh, maybe we and recast then the lead role. I don't role. know who spoke first to say, ah, great job on that. That's um, that was really good. But actually, this role is just the shower girl. <laughs> it was so like, can you do that all again without all the stuff you memorized? It felt um, I felt so bad. For and her. I just no I, one else did it. I, I mean, I don't think it was on us. I have to also say that her wardrobe choice that day. Um, well, it, I'll call it a cat suit. It was. Um, it it was what you might expect if you if you thought like, oh, this is a shower scene, um, in like a different genre. Maybe. Yeah, you know? like if if you were gonna be nude in the shower and you wanted to But you didn't show want your, that, you didn't want your audition to be nude, but you wanted it to be like but just so you will know what I look like without clothes on, I'm wearing clothes that will allow you to 
come to those conclusions. There's a suit for that. And yeah, she there, had there, it there is an article of clothing and she had that on. It was just very tight in every single place. Um, and um, it gave the, I guess it's what. Uh, we did learn a lot. You would wear if you were gonna be naked, I don't know. And the more I think about it, it was a strategic choice, not knowing where where it could go. Yeah, that's uh, true. She didn't get the part, Paige did. <laughs> Long story, Paige got the part. It's wild that like Jenna knew Paige from way back when, then we met Paige, then we met Jenna, and then Jenna reminded us of Paige, and then Paige comes in and like, had a great time. Yeah. Again, it was weird because like, it's Paige's at vocals as Hazel, but then, we never see her face. It's like we're giving her this limitation. Like whenever we cast you in something, first, either you, you're not gonna talk at all or you're gonna sing, but we're never gonna see your face. But it is Paige. It it's is. the back of her head. Uh, and she did an excellent job. And if, you know. One day we might put it together, she might have lines we're and not face. We're not making choices about not giving her lines or give, giving her FaceTime because <laughs> of anything about her. It's just she happens to be involved in the projects where that happens to be the case. Ear Biscuits is supported by the Farmer's Dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls Makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized vet developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready to serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. One interesting thing about that and about about Paige is that of course she was the focal point of all of a lot of the horror, you know, you and we knew it, we had this idea about the back masking of playing it back playing the record backwards is the way that sort of the portal opens up and that plays into these sort of childhood fears and and some of the stuff that we said. I don't actually remember a guy coming to our church to talk about it, but I think there was maybe something at Campbell he at one point. He came to Campbell, yeah. And he talked about back masking, and of course we believed everything that anybody said to us when we were kids, especially in a Christian context. So we were like, yeah, I guess the devil is influencing Led Zeppelin to s send messages through the records backwards. It so was a seminar that I think he'd been doing for over a decade yeah. by that point, and it's like, but we were still like, mesmerized by it. So, and that tends to be, and first of all, backwards singing and talking is unsettling for deep biological reasons, I guess, and it, so it's very, it is a very scary thing. So we're like, how do you take this deep back- Deep biological reasons. I'm just saying that there's, you're intrinsically scared of backwards talking. It's just weird and, you know, you, you, you put it in the context of this dark house with this woman singing, and then we knew, oh- It's a threat. She's singing backwards, Let's have her walking backwards. And then I think this is a good time to talk about Ben's uh, involvement in it. So Ben Eck, who works for us, has worked for us for a very long time. The only person that has worked here longer is Stevie because this is the first person that Stevie helped us hire back for the mythical show. But Ben only worked for us like 
a week less than Stevie. Yeah, yeah. Stevie, very, very soon after. Stevie and Ben had worked together at, at a previous job, so then she was like, this is the guy I'm bringing in. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's been, I mean, he's he's instrumental on the Mythical Kitchen side now. You'll hear uh, Josh and the team yeah. talking to Ben. But when we have ideas camera. like this, because Ben, Ben was there for all those classic sketches, music videos, he was there for Buddy System. He understands what we're trying to get across creatively and narratively, which again, we don't do a whole lot of that except writing and pitching at this point. So the making of the narrative stuff, it was like, all right, well let's bring Ben back into this process and get him really involved. He's gonna he's gonna be essentially directing this because we're gonna be in it the whole time. And so, he was essential. Yeah, and as the director. And then I think the thing about Ben, because he does have a lot of filmmaking experience is that you know when he took a look at the script it was like hey here's my ideas for the places that we could up the the or, you know th this is my idea for how we could capture this to make it even scarier this is you know and were there so, even crows hitting the window before he got a hold of it yeah there was but uh there was a lot of he had a lot of it thought was, on how to do that was, and how to achieve it ben's ben's biggest uh, thing that he brings to the table that we don't typically think about is the, until we get into it, is the, you've got this idea and you've written it, how do you capture it visually in a way that will communicate what you actually want to communicate to your audience and especially in the horror genre, which again, right. I've, I've watched a lot of horror movies and have a sense of what make, of the types of themes and visuals and ideas that make people scared, but translating that into, and this is how, we, so in other words, so one of the ideas we had was we want her to always be walking backwards, but Ben was able to literally do a test shoot where he's like, the way to make this super creepy is to put her dress on backwards and to have her long stringy hair, which is not her hair, it's a wig, in front of her face, mm -hmm. so she looks like she's facing away, but her arms are, there's a little, it's a little off, and then when she moves towards you, it's even freakier because her legs are moving in a way as if she was walking normally, but she's facing backwards. Whereas if you try the it's thing unsettling. that we were first thinking about, which is like, let's just have her literally walk backwards, it kinda just looks like a normal person walking backwards, and all of a sudden you're, you're taken out of it. Horror know? is difficult to do. As is comedy. That's why there should be more Oscar categories for each of those because it is a challenging art form to elicit those type of responses. You know, it's a lot easier to make somebody cry than it is to scare the shit out of somebody or to make them pee their pants laughing. In my opinion, speaking generally, not specifically. So, Ben had to translate the script in in a way that would okay. The, this is how these are the moments where you've got to get the scares, and here's here's how we're going to go for that. There's an added challenge of working within the rules of TikTok and it being one phone. Yeah, literally shooting with a phone. We could have talked ourselves into each having a phone, but that's not really how we would conduct like the you know writing a song all night on. On, on TikTok, the thing that we said we were doing, we had to keep the conceit um, true, right? So we had one phone filming vertically and then there's handoffs and there's there's places where you would stop filming 
and there's places where you'd keep filming, there's places where you'd miraculously keep filming while you were freaking out. It's like you gotta take all these things into account to make it as real as possible. Getting into those details was so much fun. As with Derek talking about the way that he's gonna export the songs so that we can play them in the room versus having to add them in post so that there's proximity when you're uh, when you're moving the phone around. So if if you listen with headphones on, if you you know that's a great way to rewatch Hazel because of the amount of sound design. Because proximity and sound location is a is a big part of the story. Yeah, as is th- things like, um, and you knew this when you wrote it in the second scene is that we've got to establish the layout of the house within the context of us writing a song on TikTok so that later the viewer understands where Hazel is coming from and where she's taking me and taking you. Um, uh, You have to understand spatially what's going on Mm -hmm. so that you can, to set you up to be scared so, so that you have expectations. When you're walking towards this door, you should be the most scared. Yeah. As an example, there's a lot of logistics and details that go into getting a certain response from an audience. And again, that's what I can't wait to see because in between clips, people hopefully people will be talking about it and making sense of what's happening and waiting for the next the next clip minutes well or and, and, tens and my of hope later. is again, it's very difficult to be genuinely frightened by something that you wrote. Um yeah. Now, my so my process is always okay. I I don't like to see the first couple of passes of the edit, right? Like you 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 were working with Ben on that, and I like to see it once it's kind of like because I was like I'm very intimately sort of like thinking about all this during the writing process, and then I kind of want to separate myself from it so I can be as much of an audience member when I watch it. But that was really hard to do. I mean, when I watched the first cut, there were moments where I began to feel the sort of frightened emotion that I knew we were trying to go for. But be- mm-hmm. it's it's just gonna be so much different for somebody who doesn't know what's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, and so that I'm interested in that because that's the beauty of the conceit is that it we've set the stage for you to be the most freaked out because it's not at all what you're expecting. It's kind of like when I took Christy to see Get Out and like right before the movie started, she leaned over and she was like, is this a, is this movie scary or <laughs> is it is this a drama? That's the like she did way, not this is the perfect way to go into a movie. I was like, I don't I don't think you should know. You should just watch it. Yeah, you didn't want her to yeah, get scared preemptively. An interesting dynamic you know, we when we were filming this thing, like you said, we filmed over two nights. The f- the the first night we filmed in the woods, and then the second night we filmed in the creative house. And uh, we ne- we never do night shoots. Even I think uh, on Buddy System season one, we did we did a night shoot. We did one night shoot, maybe a couple, maybe maybe a couple, and um, it's difficult. For us, like I was kind of nervous to like really like okay, you know. The, oh, your bedtime's nine thirty. The whole Red Bull and that whole scene at the beginning. We were really is, drinking is, the energy drink. I was drinking true. that hippo piss or hippo whatever it was. 
Ear Biscuits is supported by Superfeet. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Well, guess what? Your feet don't have to hurt. When you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. Superfeet insoles are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. Since 1977, Superfeet has helped millions of people worldwide experience the life-changing magic of comfy, pain-free feet. Superfeet insoles upgrade the fit, feel, and function of your footwear to help you feel your best. The signature orthotic shape of Superfeet gives your feet the right type of support where you need it most. Physicians not only recommend Superfeet to their patients, they wear Superfeet insoles in their own shoes. Superfeet is the number one doctor worn and recommended insole. Superfeet has thousands of five-star reviews and is the insole of choice for top athletes on the field, on the ice, and on the slopes and everywhere in between. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot. From cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive, you can dial in your fit by taking their quick online quiz. We took the quiz, we've got our, mm -hmm. our insoles coming, they're on their way. You just answer a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. For a limited time, Superfeet is having its biggest sale of the year. Go to superfeet.com to save 25% off site-wide and get free shipping. Hurry, sale pricing ends June 5th. But you get into the, you're out of there in the woods and uh, it's hard to shoot at night in the woods when you're like having to trudge a bunch of stuff um, a quarter mile down there. Of course, the team did most of, most of the trudging, I'll be honest. Um, it was it was a lot of fun to be out there in the woods at night and to take a door frame and set that up. Like literally that door frame was there. Um, we, it was, we didn't computer generate anything most of the magic in the cuts happened in swish pans. Yeah. But the biggest point of where you walk down the hallway and go through that middle doorway and when you open it, it's not the recording room like we showed earlier, but it's the it's the forest. Uh, ben felt and we agreed that like, we wanna take a door out there and we wanna do this practically and we don't wanna, you know, we frame the door close enough so that it's already in the woods, but you don't know it because of the way that he's lit it. You open it up and then there's the forest floor and it's all real. Yeah. Like there's no, there was no chicanery in post to make that happen. Cause we built, like Paisley came out there and they built the door frame out yeah, in which, the woods. Yeah, quick note about that, like uh, everybody who worked on this thing with the except, exception of Paige was just, you know, a team team member here at Mythical that was kind of stepping into something that they don't always do. I mean, Jenna was involved on the production side. Um, Paisley built that built that door, which he's always building stuff for GMM. But yeah. it was, and then of course Ben's kind of taking time out of what he was doing on Mythical Kitchen. To, to, so I think it was fun for us all to kind of like get to do. Something it's I mean it's fun. It's oh, always yeah. fun for us to be like, hey, this is something that's different, and it's it like it's it's not this giant thing that we're throwing ourselves in for into for months and completely turning our schedule upside down. It's like, hey, this is going to be a couple of fun nights of working together as a very small crew. I mean, I think we maximum had what like six people there at one time. I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, just super mission accomplished on that front. Okay. Maybe eight, Maybe yeah. eight people. It was. 
It was fun. There was someone was attacked by a bat. Is that right? Who was that? It was. It just kept flying down. It was like when Paige and I were when you all were filming without Paige. Yeah, we left Paige and Jenna back at the um, at the porta potty in the parking lot. Well, we shot and this at the same location. We shot this at the same location that we shot the uh, monkey snake, which I don't remember the name of that. Sketch. Did you get me did anything? Me, did you get me anything? So it was the the, the woods up in, in the Angeles. Uh, Mount Angeles National Forest. If you're into the behind the scenes stuff, Greg shot a bunch of behind the scenes yeah, that's on the Mythical the Society, society yeah. so uh, you, you, can, you can see that visually. But um, there was a bobcat sighting, and it, it, I think we wrapped, I think I got in bed that night at that morning, 5 a.m. Yeah. Like, and I got, maybe I got home a little earlier than you guys. And, but then the next night, is when we we shot in the we creative sh house. We shot until we shot sun everything up. else. Yeah, that was we a, shot that past was sun literally. A, we, yeah, we actually the last couple of shots we had to make sure that the windows were not letting light in because we were getting into the daylight. Um, you know, Stevie also being there was very helpful. I remember one instance when we we're shooting at the, at the creative house. The first few scenes of like setting up the farce of it being an interactive songwriting thing. Like the, the the first few scenes where we're like supposed to be totally ourselves and we don't wanna give any inkling that we're, we're acting like the actor versions of ourselves. Mm. There's this weird thing that happens that we, we had to face, which was we've gotta, we've gotta be ourselves. I mean, we've gotta be like really in like vlog GMM mode and at some point, we're gonna be going off of a script and we're gonna be making that transition to still acting like ourselves, but in but this- But now we're really this, acting. We're doing something that wouldn't happen to us. Yeah, we're in this real we're world. We're reacting to things that wouldn't happen to us. So it's great to have like Stevie and Ben there who are like, you need to play this scene like Rhett, you would respond to Lincoln this way behind the desk at GMM and I don't feel like you're doing that or you give me similar direction where it was, and I think that's a big test is if if people watch the first few clips and they're like, why are they acting weird? Then we're, I'm, we're a bit I'm, stuck. I'm pretty confident that that, I, I, my I feel main, good about it. My main concern is that they're just, most people are gonna be like, I don't really care about you guys bringing me along the ride to, to write a song. But I'm saying that from a performance standpoint, yeah. it was it was a fun, challenge to think of it that way, that we're making this tr performance transition from completely or very loosely scripted to pretty tightly scripted. Yeah, yeah. So every aspect of it was was challenging in its own way that was part of why we wanted to do it, you know, just to like scratch those itches and uh, get the creative juices flowing. And we do think, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll say that I also have a secret hope that um, in the way that some of these Twitter threads and whatever they might be, things that start kind of small on, on the internet, like there is a world here to explore, not necessarily the exact thing that we explored, but the mm -hmm. concept of uh, the album and being trapped in an album and it's it's been there forever, like what's the origin story of that? Like I would love, I would love to be able to tell that story, not necessarily as a buddy comedy with the two of us, who knows, but so I, I really hope people love it. Now, one, one thing that happened that to speak to the the nature of doing this 
on TikTok in a platform that we're learning is you know we had this idea for this scene with the crow where the crow hits the the door and then we go outside and we see it and it's dead and there's a moment that we have with it that ends with me throwing it away and Link accusing me of littering. And then by the way, if you look at the album closely, like rewatch it and look at the album. The album, it, anytime it, the album is shown, it's very intentional and yeah, it will change maybe in ways that you did not anticipate or see the first time. But we were so out we had there. This, we had this replica crow. And, well, and we're out it there seemed like it was to, the weight of a crow. It yeah, was very good. And I'm out there in so putting this towel over and then that's when Greg who was doing the behind the scenes and also works on our social media and knows more about TikTok than we do was he just kind of says in the moment he's like yeah I hope that that I hope that this part of it is not misinterpreted because sometimes on TikTok if things are if people think that you're doing something with the you know it's conceivable that if people thought you were doing something with an actual dead animal, that people right. could get upset and they could pull that that video down. Yeah, is Rhett like, oh, really throwing whoa. a dead crow in the woods? There was actually a there was a scene. So at that point, we were like, okay, well, what is scripted? What you've planned to do, and even what we shot test footage of was you picking up the crow and you making fun of me for saying, I think it'll come too, just give it a minute. And you pick it up and, you're, and I'm like, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm gonna give it a toss and see if it'll. Give it a little head start. Give it a head start on flying. Give it, give it a jump start like a paper airplane. And you throw it and it just plops down on the concrete and it's hilarious. Very, it's very funny. And then you pick it up again, and that's when we talk about the rotisserie chicken, and you you throw it in. You the say woods. test footage. I mean, we shot that as a scene. We have that intact, which we are probably showing to you right now. And then we decide. So we're ha we're having a debate in the moment of is that too much? Is throwing the crow and having it plop down people the risk of people thinking it's a real crow and getting upset? TikTok may be flagging it, and like if you remove this this one clip from the whole thing. Is that then confusing and frustrating? Yes. yes. And it's like so we, you know, we're like, well, let's just shoot another version of this particular scene where you don't plop it on the ground, you just throw it in the woods, and maybe that'll mitigate it, and we'll decide later. So, but yeah, because it's so experimental, you get in your own head of like, what is the thing that we're forgetting that's going to bring this whole thing down? And I remember and at that, that moment that there was a the bit reason, of a crisis. If, if that becomes the reason that this doesn't work, that sucks. And so yeah, so we so the toned down version is in is in there, um, so we're not concerned about it at this point. It's not again, it's not as funny, it's not as funny as me throwing the crow up in the air and having it hit the ground. But again, for that that could be it's, it's dead animal it, humor. It, Maybe yeah. people don't like that anyway. And yeah, it's, right. it's, it wasn't so, it wasn't necessary. So you know, it's a matter of taste. Uh, yeah, if not a matter of uh, like content restrictions and flagging, which we got a, a reasonable certainty that it wasn't. But let's let's skip to TikTok at large. I think that this is obviously a strategy, but in parallel, because we've been developing Hazel for many months, we're also trying to figure out what's our general TikTok strategy. Because we're, the the audience that's over there is undeniable. And yeah. so we made a decision, was it pre-pandemic? Yeah, because we were in the boardroom. I, I, remember that's the, right. I remember the moment we were all sitting together. Are we gonna do TikTok? Is Mythical gonna be, re, are we really gonna try this? Or are we gonna 
are we gonna allocate resources to this where there's. There's no money in it. There's no direct revenue sharing. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to justify from a financial business standpoint, but from a strategic standpoint, we said, this. I mean, this is not a flash in the pan. This well, is happening. I specifically remember thinking and saying, I think in that moment when we were considering it, like I don't want this to be, there are these moments in the birth of social media platforms in which your ability to get traction, like right in the beginning, like you remember all those people like Ashton Kutcher, how does he have so many Twitter followers? Huh. Well, he got in and he took it seriously from the beginning. Now if you're just like, I think I'm gonna get on Twitter, like getting a Twitter follower these days and keeping it, as someone who's been pretty much the same number for a really, really long time, it's so hard this at this stage in the platform. But I was like, if we get in now, even if the only thing we're doing, because I think what we said is, let's just get on there and let's just put some GMM clips on there. Like, let's just have right. a presence. Because getting on there and letting people know that you're there, even if you're not yet doing anything strategic, you're gonna get followers. And that worked and we got to a million followers pretty quickly and it was like, okay, good, all right, we're, we have a foothold here on this thing that seems like it's gonna be important in the, the larger sort of conversation. But then it was like, what are we actually going to do? And me and you, in the beginning of the pandemic, because I remember us talking about this uh, when we were doing our vlogs, we actually started to record for a potential vlog on the Rhett and Link channel when we were doing those, the process that we were coming up with, because a lot of people were like, what is happening on the mythical TikTok? Like, what are Rhett and Link doing? Who's writing these TikToks? Yeah. So we wanted to do a Rhett and Link vlog where we talked about our experimentation on TikTok and documenting that process. But then it became it became a lot to figure out what we wanted to try on TikTok personally, and then to have to document it ourselves, it, it just became a bit much. So but we, the thing we that we were doing it. that you may have noticed if you like, if you've been watching us for a really long time, you may have picked up on this. Now, yes, there are a lot of things that we sort of do as a company that Link and I lend ourselves to and kind of throw ourselves into and you can and you might be like I don't know if that's something that Rhett and Link would have come up with but I can see why they did it or, or or whatever. We threw ourselves into TikTok on a very personal like level and kind of went back to that initial mentality of the early days of YouTube in which we were creators trying to figure out a new platform, throwing things out there, experimenting, throwing a lot of things at the wall, getting reaction. Now that's not a full-time thing for us because of all the other stuff that we do, but when we engaged with it over the past year and a half or so, that's how we would do it. We would like, let's learn all we can. And, let's and then the, the team was also developing things that we could, that Mythical could try on our TikTok. But what we were doing at the Creative House was like, we were getting down on all fours and filming each other as, as, dogs. as dogs. Yeah. Or as these, like strange superheroes having a video conference. Yeah, we were just trying some character-based stuff. Uh, I can't remember what else we tried, but then we. Also just some straight up sketch stuff. And a lot of this still is on, some of it was taken down because it just didn't do well. A lot of it is still on there from over a year ago. That kind of fizzled out. I think we got distracted or pulled into other things and it didn't take off so it got a little, it didn't really work, it got disheartening. Yeah. And there were other things that were working and then when we came back to it, many months later, we started doing some uh, 
some sketch-based stuff, but we, we wanted to hone, and we're still in the process of honing what mythical sketches, what Rhett and Link sketches on TikTok look and feel like. And so we're like, all right, we want them to be conversational. We don't want them to, you know, we don't, we, we learned we didn't wanna go too prop heavy or we didn't want to, we wanted to be able to churn these things out quickly. We have to be super, the engineer in us, but also just the very busy people in us, we have to be super efficient with everything we do. So we really need to be able to shoot one of these TikTok sketches in about, you know, 15 or 20 minutes. But it's shocking how you can upload something and it will get like thousands of views and then you can upload something else and it can get millions, if not tens of millions of views. And they can be right next to each other and, and have no inf influence on one another. So we're doing, right now we're doing sketches, we're doing trends, TikTok trends, and we're doing like GMM clips that can be TikTokized. Yeah. So that where they actually work for that platform and don't feel just like an exported clip. And as we record this right now, like we've actually, again, our team is great. I, I don't wanna miscarry. When I say that we've thrown ourselves into this, I'm just saying that like we've really gotten involved on the creative side, but that doesn't mean we're doing it all. Our team is doing right. so much good work. And at this point, the creative process is like, we've got our t internal team pitching and writing. We've got, we actually have some uh, outside writers who make their own TikToks that we like that are, that are pitching and writing sketches. We're pitching and writing sketches ourselves. And, and it's just become this sort of like old school collaborative Let's see what people respond to. But as of like right now, as we record this, we're getting some reaction. Like we're get, it feels like pe some people are literally saying things like, you guys, you guys are kind of finally getting the hang of this platform when it was clear that you were just kind of mm -hmm. trying a million different things just a few months ago. It's cool to read that. I mean, it, it, it stings a little because it's like, hey, you're reading our mail, you know that like, but of course, yeah, we're trying to figure this out. But that's what we do as individuals, as a duo, as a company. What we do is we say, all right, what is the next thing? How do we figure it out? And we gotta be willing to get some egg on our face. By the way, write that down. I bet you there's something in that, like a little egg on the face. Ha, <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, right, right. Mm -hmm. In order to learn something and, um, but yeah, there was lots of, I mean, the things that we would try and when it doesn't work and you can't understand why, it's much easier to understand why, to figure out why something does work than to figure out why something didn't work, you know? Uh, and this is a platform. Even if you're wrong about the thing that why it worked, you feel really certain why it worked because it just, the most plausible explanation, I don't know, it tends to fall into place, but then you're, with the negative, it's much harder to pinpoint it. But it's so interesting to be working in a in a platform that you don't know. Like we've learned YouTube over the course of the time being on there. So we know in general like okay, you can pitch us an idea for a YouTube video and we can tell you well, that's probably not going to work and here's why or that has a chance, a good chance of working and here's why. Mm -hmm. The principles that go into a TikTok video, you know, Title and thumbnail are so, you know, 
strategic when it comes to a YouTube video mm -hmm. because people are making a decision in an environment where their decision for the next video is based on, exclusively on title and thumbnail. That's not how TikTok works, right? TikTok works on people's reaction to the beginning of the video. Whatever happens in the first one, two, three seconds of the video is how they determine if they're going to keep watching that or swipe. And then of course, that data spread across the bunches of people who are watching that tells something to TikTok, which then tells something to uh, the system and the For You page, which determines if that video is gonna get shown to more people. And that's why you can have a video that literally has 11 million views next to one that's got 100,000 views. On the same channel. Or 50,000 views, yeah. right next to each other, which does not typically happen on YouTube because people's habits are different. It's a subconscious manipulation. You're not, typically when you're scrolling, you're not making an active decision. It's this, it's a passive decision that you're hooked. So you find yourself breaking your, your scroll because something piqued your interest. It was something you read. It was something that you you heard that gripped you, that was irresistible. Like you, um, and then is that enough to keep you? Is the hook set deep enough? And are we are we retaining your your experience, keeping you from like, oh, n this isn't what I. W this is not worthy of me stopping scrolling. I'm gonna keep going. All of that data. Is, is scarily insightful. Um, but the way that we have to interpret it is just, did it work or not? Did it halfway work? You, there's a lot of speculation about the algorithm, but it, but it does, the more that it's about human behavior, the more that we feel like we can do something about it, right? And that's, that's, that's what the algorithm's trying to do too, decipher, decipher human behavior. We're coming at it from, from different angles. That's a it's that's a fun challenge, um, but when things don't work and then they keep not working, and maybe you've pre-shot a whole bunch of these, that starts to get uh, disheartening. And there's also it's like, oh, we've made an investment that now is it? Do we know it's like the next five that we've already shot? Do we know that none of those are going to work, or is there a pivot we can do with text or with something else within the tool? To, to make this still work, or to prove our to prove our theory wrong now that like we're going down the wrong path. Well, and there's the challenge of not wanting to fall into the trap, which is a very difficult thing not to do when you've turned your creativity into a business. And that is to just become reactive and try to find, and then your only measure of success is if people are watching it, right? Now, right. people have to watch it in order for us to continue to feel like it's worth doing, even though there isn't really any money, like occasionally there'll be a, like a sponsorship deal or whatever, but there's not a, a lot of money in it. Maybe there will be at some point. But what that what that means is, and I think it, to come back to the, the Hazel thing for a second, is it makes the Hazel project for me that much more special because it really isn't a reaction to, oh, people are definitely gonna click on this, people are gonna care about this because of what we've learned about the way TikTok no. takes people's behavior into account. It's more like, hey, here's a cool platform that seems to be at a stage where you can still experiment and it's not just you have to just do this cookie cutter thing in order to succeed. Is this a place where we can throw something up there that nobody else is doing in exactly this way and see what happens? 
who again, the platform isn't really made for 11 part series that launch all in one night. But is there something there in this environment where it can work to the degree where it leads to something else within that platform? Could it be part of the platform even evolving and changing and growing in what it's capable of? Could it be that this idea and this project and just our uh, moving forward with it leads us to something else that may or may not be on TikTok? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's but that's that's why we do things like that so that we it it it's fun to do it and it's fun in the moment and we're proud and of it and happy to do it. But maybe it, it leads to something even more interesting. And when it comes to our general TikTok strategy at this point, if we if we just wanted to do the stuff that got the most views, we would just chase the trends. And we you know, we Greg would just be pitching those things and every day we'd be like, let's do the next thing. But we wanna do other things as well. Like w that's undeniably successful and it it's fun and it's engaging and it works. Um, and that so that's exciting and rewarding. But we also want to express ourselves as comedians and it is the place where we can very quickly um stay inscripted and yeah. work on work on our our character work and our acting and our our comedic timing and the you know the cr that craft yeah and assert ourselves uh, on that front and say okay part of mythical's brand is this style of comedy something that maybe we you used to, you didn't know we used to do but here's a reminder or an education that we still have this type of uh, comedic work up our sleeves. And now there's a place for us to do it strategically. I think that's that's but sort of the stars aligning moment. But we have to make moment. it work though, and it didn't. And there was the jury's still out on. We how don't know exactly what we're going to land work, on. But, but we, we do know we have gotten some that do work. But we do know with a few, with maybe a few exceptions, but no real big exceptions. Like you know, we started the Mythical Bits channel, which is taking the short form stuff that we're doing for TikTok and Instagram and putting it on YouTube. And you know, thank you to those of you who are subscribed to that and are enjoying the videos over there. But I think it's plain to see that YouTube is not the place currently for that type of content. Like it's not, or maybe maybe it will become maybe that. Maybe it will be. I mean, with Mythical Kitchen. They were having similar conversations, and then all of a sudden, one of their shorts from months earlier started to yeah. blow up. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was. Yeah, I don't either. But yeah, that's the whole short strategy for YouTube. YouTube is like, okay, listen, this genre of video, this vertical short video, is obviously working. Is what the kids are into. It's amazing. They want to. They want to. They want to capture that audience as well. It's amazing how you can come. You can think you're coming to a conclusion. This isn't working. Do we need to scrap it? And then when we were talking specifically about our scripted sketches on TikTok, I mean, on one day in the afternoon, we were having the conversation about like the amount of resources we were putting into it and the amount of our time and the lackluster performance. And then as we, I, we were having the business conversation, a few hours later, we look on TikTok and the latest sketch that we put up about, um, uh, the favor economy and the hot sauce, 
like that one took off and it changed the our conversation entirely because we were like, hold on, we made a little tweak to the text at the beginning of this and that and maybe well, that unlocks it. To be specific, we put text on screen at the beginning of the, the, the sketch and we had not been doing that in the previous ones. And I'm not saying that the sketch itself, it doesn't stand on its own and isn't relatable and that's why people like it, but I bet every dollar I've ever seen that the decision to put the text at the beginning was the key to getting it to break out oh, yeah. unlike was the an, previous ones. It was a discovery. And it's like, is and that really what it comes down to? Like the people scrolling through TikTok need to know what the sketch is about. It needs a title. To, yeah. But well, not a title, it needs, this is. It needs context. This is making fun of this. If you're into that, stop scrolling, is basically the message we're sending. So it's like, this is what the joke is going to be, which is kind of a hard thing well, to swallow. I would, no, I would say, this is the framework through which you can enjoy the joke. Yeah, and if you're into the subject matter, or what you think the subject matter is, and now you know the framework, you're on board. You are now hooked. And because uh, I because I shared with you and some of our friends, uh, uh, Dane Dane Lind something. I, he's the guy who does all the Southern Dad stuff on, yeah. on TikTok. And uh, this dude is I think he's in Louisiana. He's super funny, and his voice is perfect in his mannerisms. And he has found this success in playing this Southern Dad character. Yes. Uh, and some other Southern characters, but he's always just like, Southern dads meeting the neighbors, right? Like right. He, he's he's got that context through which you can be like, oh, this is the context, these are the jokes within that context. And that's just a, that's how TikTok is working for a lot of people. Now there are some people like PDUSA who we talked about in our very early episode about TikTok, uh, who he's doing something that's just, so specific and so weird to what he, to who he is that you begin to come to expect this is what a PDUSA TikTok is. It's the, the it's not relatable. The relatable nature of it is not why you're so you don't need that contextualization. It's just you want to kind of have a mind trip with this guy whose mind is going to go anywhere but where you think it's going to go. But for the most and so we've tried some of that. Just like this is just plain weird. But and we just haven't found as much success. I think for that to work, that has to kind of be the only thing you, you, you got to keep going to the same exact well. And yeah. we know we already have three categories of things we're doing. Right. If all of a sudden PD started doing trends, you would be like, "Dude, that's not cool. You shouldn't. You shouldn't do trends. You're cooler than the trends." Yeah. You 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 have superseded the you know transcended the trends because but of it, what who you are. It's amazing how precarious the the path forward is for these things. And that I, that's the world that we've lived and breathed for years, I mean, but it's it's fresh with TikTok in that we're about, like, we're about to make that decision to not do sketches anymore. It, we didn't quite say that, but we were about to, and then the next day it's like, oh, I, we, maybe we cracked it, you know? And it, then it, we're shooting more and we have, uh, we have energy and we're, we believe in it again, so it's it's a roller coaster ride, and that's part of what we signed up for. And then seeing in the comments when something works, where um, a lot of people say, 
I started watching you when I was X age and now I'm Y age. And yeah, it's like a, a five, seven or 10 year gap between those two numbers. That's tremendously encouraging that we're reminding and recapturing an audience that, hey, we're still here and we're, we're here for you. We're ready for you to come back if you had, if you'd fallen off the, the mythical wagon. Yeah. So we remain very excited and engaged in TikTok uh, from day to day. But uh, hopefully it's just onward and upward. And, I d and hopefully this Hazel experience, I will always learn something and it will always be worthwhile, but um, hopefully that's not in the context of it just kind of flopping and being kind of a speed bump in the story of Mythical. Yeah, hopefully we don't look at our TikTok uh, you know, channel grid and see, oh man, we've got these 11 videos in a row that all happened in this one night and uh, we completely, what, like what if the story of, of this is that we completely killed our TikTok and that <laughs> we sent a message to the algorithm by sending so many videos up in one night yeah. that they decided that no one cares anymore about you guys and we never ever again break a million views on TikTok and this is gonna be this super ironic episode of Ear Biscuits in which Rhett and Link's ambitions completely backfired and undid everything they had built on TikTok and then they just shut down their channel and were never seen again. It could happen uh, and you know what? That's why this is, that's why we did this. It's a time capsule episode. Yeah. So let us know what you think, hashtag Ear Biscuits. I'm gonna keep the wreck on topic here. You just mentioned him. Follow him on TikTok, Dane the Great with an extra T on the end. <laughs> He's only got 1.7 million followers as of uh, you know me reading this, but the Southern Dad stuff he does is so great. And then he's he expands out to like, Southern Mechanic, AC Repairman, but the Southern Mechanic, if you drill back into that, oh, that's great too, but the dad is just amazing. Southern School Bus Drivers be like. If you grew up where we grow, 6.8 million Where we views. grew up, um, you, the moment he goes into his character, it's just like, man, I knew so many people. Is right. it, this is an amalgamation of so many people that we knew, and I can't even explain how relatable it is. Yeah, Dane the Great with an extra T. Hey Dane, we're big fans. Let's hang out. <laughs> you and your tattoos up your neck and down your arms. Maybe we'll get some neck tattoos with you. Putting that wig on and still becoming the Southern Dad with the neck tattoos. I love it. Let's get a neck tattoo together, Dane. Okay, well maybe you two can. All right, well. Dane the Great. We'll talk next week. <laughs>